The reading from God's Word, from which our speaker will be speaking this morning, a section of it anyway, is from the 15th chapter of John's Gospel. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his father is doing, master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we bless you this morning. You are our creator and sustainer, the sustainer of all things. You hold all the waters of the earth in the hollow of your hand. You weigh the mountains in a scale. The nations are a drop in the bucket to you, and you see them as dust on the scales. The inhabitants of this planet are like grasshoppers in your sight. You stretch out the heavens like a curtain, and you spread them like a tent to dwell in. You are the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. You do not grow faint or weary. Your understanding is unsearchable. You give power to the faint, and to him who is weak, you increase strength. We also bless you as our Redeemer, God, you set the captives free. You bind up the brokenhearted. You proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. And we have all been imprisoned by sin and the fear of death and owe our liberty to you and the blood of your son. You sent your son to live a perfect life we could never live and die a sin-atoning death as the just punishment for all the sins of all those who will call upon your name. You've delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of your beloved Son, 
in whom we have redemption, forgiveness of our sins. Your redeeming work is finished in Christ, and it is enough. Father, because we're dull, because we're slow to understand, would you fill us with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding? Father, because we're so weak and so feeble, would you strengthen us with all power according to your glorious might so that we might endure the trials of this life with patience and joy? And because we're so prone to wander from you, would you continue to shepherd your sheep into the green pastures and still waters of that intimate walk with you? God, we look at the world around us and we are easily overwhelmed by how rapidly it all seems to be breaking up in front of us. Truth is trampled, wisdom is banished, common sense is mocked. We see the truth of Isaiah lived out every day as so many in our culture call good evil and evil good, who confuse darkness for light and light for darkness, who call what is bitter sweet and what is sweet bitter. Father, we ask you in the midst of this insane confusion, cause your people to radiate the light of truth and love in the midst of this profound darkness. God, would you help us form redemptive relationships with those who are enslaved to the darkness and use us to bring the fruit of transformed lives into your kingdom. Give us the love of Christ for those who are so deeply deceived in our world. Keep us from the easy route of denigrating and looking down upon those people when by the grace of God we would be those people. We again cry out for a season of spiritual renewal and awakening in our land. God, send the wind of the Spirit through our nation. Separate us from the lies that our fallen culture seems to treasure. God, we ask that you awaken your church. Send your Spirit's fire on your people. Burn up our love for this world. Give us hearts that beat for Jesus and for his kingdom here and to the nations. Thank you for the many blessings you've given to your church here. This very fruitful season of ministry. We ask that you guide and direct those who are in any way working on the building project so that not only the building, but more importantly, the process behind it would bring much honor to Jesus. God, for those in our fellowship who are in pain, or in need of some sort of healing, <clears throat> God, we pray for your compassion. For Joe Paris and for Dan Zwicker, for others who would rather not be mentioned, God, bring healing. For Mark Henson, Ruth Stepke, pour out your healing mercies. God, thank you that you are good and kind. Cause your kindness to lead us to repentance. Father, as we turn now to your word, Fill your servant, Lance, with your spirit. God, would you open our hearts to receive this as a word from you, given for this season, for your glory and our joy. Make it so, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. J. Hudson Taylor, founder of China Inland Mission, said of missionary service, the world of a true missionary is work. Indeed, often very monotonous, apparently not very successful, and carried on through great and varied but unceasing difficulties. During their 30 years in the mission field in places like the Ukraine, and most of it in Russia, 
Lance and Jean could certainly resonate with Hudson Taylor's description of mission work. The past five years have been with a group called New Generations, standing on the faithful shoulders of faithful missionaries who came before them. They've witnessed some exciting things in God, characterized by some unusual, fruitful seasons of ministry across multiple unreached people groups through church planning and other innovative means of reaching the lost with the gospel. As many of you know, Jean grew up in this area and her parents, Dick and Lori Hansen, were members at North Shore for many years. We welcome one of the missionaries that our church supports, Lance, to our lectern this morning. Thank you, Lance. Thank you. Thank you, Duggan. It's good to be with you this morning. It's been a while since we've been here, and uh, we're so grateful for this opportunity to, to be with you today, and it's uh, so good to gather with other believers and, and worship God, isn't it? And so we're thankful for the team that led us today. My wife leaned over to me, and she's like, five songs, I want to go here. <laughs> but it's good to worship, worship the Lord together and uh, celebrate his goodness, because uh, we all need to be reminded of that, don't we? I'm also uh, grateful that uh, my parents are here with me today. Um, they came up to Chicagoland for uh, my niece's graduation from Moody and my daughter's birthday and Mother's Day, and so we decided to have them stay around for a little bit and join us while we came up here to enjoy the beauty. And so we're grateful that they could be here with us today. I just want to say thank you again for partnering with us, um, that you've partnered with us while we were um, in Russia for many years, and now uh, as we supervise some things that are going on around the world and travel quite a bit, um, we're just so grateful for the people that are here at the church that pray for us and uh, support us individually and how you do that as a, as a church family. So we're just so very grateful. So there was a song that came out uh, when I was five years old. Anybody remember the song, Cats in the Cradle? Yeah. For those of you who are a little bit on the younger side, you probably don't remember it. You may have heard of it, but... Um, you know, it starts out a little bit at the very beginning about my child arrived just the other day, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away, and he was talking before I knew it, and as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. And it goes on from there, and um, it goes to the very end, and he says that uh, I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I'll call him up just the other day, and he said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I can find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids have the flu, but it's nice talking to you, Dad. It's been nice to talk to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. And it goes on and repeats the chorus, right? So it's, uh, it's this boy who learned from his dad that what's most important is being busy and paying the bills and having a job and staying active. Um, and yet uh, you can sense the regret that they, they never really connected, the father and the son never really connected in the song. And uh, so how very often um, we struggle with the same things, don't we? That we stay very busy, and yet we don't have time to be who God's created us to be. We're more, about human, we're more like human doings than human beings, and uh, we don't have time to not only connect with God, but then to connect with our own family and our, our own church family and be who God's designed us to be. And so today is a, is a passage where we're getting a glimpse behind the curtain with Jesus as he's with his uh, faithful disciples there. Um, well, at least there's 11 left that are faithful. And he's sharing with them and trying to connect with them at a very deep level before he goes 
and does the ultimate sacrifice on the, on the cross. And as Pastor already read here from John 15, we're looking at this passage where he's talking about the vine and the branches and staying connected with God. And we're going to discover um, several things about what God really thinks about you and who he wants you to be. But unfortunately, uh, we just get so busy doing that we struggle to slow down and be. And uh, there's very little time for relational connectedness, for group identity, and to experience the true joy that God wants all of us to experience. That sometimes we think that God is a cosmic killjoy when it's just the opposite of that, that he wants us to maximize our joy and to experience his love for us. And so as uh, we think about that, let's go back to uh, verse 9. We're going to pick up today for the sermon from verses 9 through 17 in this uh, very um, impactful passage. So let me just read again verses 9, uh, 10, and 11. It says there that, uh, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So the first things that we notice here is that, uh, you know, kids connect by imitating their fathers, right? You see this all the time, that uh, little kids um, look to their father. There's this meme I've seen going around social media where a father and son are sitting on the couch, and they're watching soccer, and you hear goal, and the little boy raises up his hands because there's been a goal, and he looks over at his dad, and his dad's put his, head on his, ha- or his hands on his forehead and leaned back because it was a goal for the other team. And so then the boy's like, oh, and he fell back and put his hands on his face, imitating his father's what he thought was excitement and then found out it was de- depression. And so often that's the same thing in our lives, isn't it, that uh, our kids end up picking up what uh, we end up doing. So kids connect by imitating the fathers, but, uh, you know, these commands that Jesus is talking about are better caught than taught. You know, we can teach with our words what is important, but we demonstrate by our actions what we really truly believe are important. And uh, Jesus says, if you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. You will remain in my love. And so there's this condition here, right? He says, remain in my love just as I remain in my Father's love. And he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide, you will remain. So what's the key to remaining and staying connected with Jesus? It's obeying his commands. And so I'm sorry that this sermon's uh, PG-13 and that I've used a four-letter word, but the word obey does not always mean legalism. Here it's, it's a result of staying connected with God, that when we stay connected to the Father, we want to imitate him because we realize just how wise he is, how loving he is, how all-powerful he is. And if we look at our Father and see him enjoy over a goal, we'll want to be just like him. And uh, it says that uh, Jesus is calling us to follow him as he imitates his Father. And so these, these ideas about staying connected, that Jesus' commandments are not burdensome. What, what's the greatest commandment that he was asked multiple times and he taught on? Love God. And the second's just like it. Love your neighbor. Jesus' commands are not burdensome. It's, it's to love people that's, and to love him. And, uh, and so he wants us to, to follow him in, in living that same kind of life where we're full of love and connected deeply to the Father and, and walking in step with him. 
so one of the reasons why we're seeing explosive growth around the world is because one of the key central points to disciple-making movements is that we're all disciples. You know, some might be apostles, some might have giftings of pastoring, some might have giftings of teaching, but we're all called to be disciples of Jesus. And that word disciple just means lifelong learner. And we're all on that journey to be lifelong learners and imitate Jesus. And one of the keys to being a disciple is staying connected to God and loving God with all your heart. Um, And so we have a a group in uh, Congo where they're going out and trying to reach different groups that have never heard about Jesus. And this group um, helped go back and translate the Bible in an audio format so people can listen to it on their phones or on these solar-powered players. And uh, just recently, we did an 18-month report on the Ending Scripture Poverty Initiative, and they told us a story among the pygmies in the jungles of Congo. And there was a, a witch doctor there who's not only famous among that particular village, but he was famous throughout the whole tribe for being a very powerful witch doctor. And he'd gone out in the jungle, came back with some of his supplies to do some of his sorcery, and he walked by this hut that was hearing um, a, a discovery Bible study. And as he stopped, he stopped by the hut and was listening through the walls. And they were reading from Genesis chapter 1. And he was overwhelmed by the fact that God said something, and then he did it. God said, let there be light, and there was. God said, let's create the earth, and there was. And then there was animals, and then there was birds. And he was overwhelmed by the fact that every time God said something, it happened. And he felt more and more powerless that, you know, he's doing these incantations, and very rarely did they ever work. And if they did, um, it, it didn't last. And so he was overwhelmed by that and actually joined the discovery group. And this group of um, people allowed him to come in and started um, discovering who God is through the Old Testament, through a, a series of chapters we call discovering, uh, I'm sorry, creation to Christ, where there's 25 passages of the Old Testament and new, where they discover who God is and Jesus. And he gave his life to Christ and... Um, It became so famous um, among that people group that other people were wanting and asking for those audio scriptures so that they could listen to it too. That this witch doctor would give up his life in sorcery and begin to follow Jesus. And he broke down and cried about his sins and turned his life over to Jesus. And, uh, you know, we also want to uh, thank you for your gift. I know that a year, a little over a year ago, year and a half ago, you guys took a special offering and gave towards that. Our goal was to raise $5,000 for 300 different people groups to be able to start Bible translation. And just the update on that is that um, our goal is 300 languages to get about 80 passages of the Bible. And so we started that officially 18 months ago. And so we have 137 languages that have been started where church-based teams are translating the Bible orally and they just automatically record it on devices. And 71 of those have already translated the first 25 chapters of the Bible. And so thank you for praying for that, and thank you for the offering that you took. And uh, we're just celebrating with what God is doing, and people are rejoicing that um, lives are being turned upside down because of God's Word. So not only do, um, you know, commands are caught more than they're taught, but imitating the Father results in joy. That when we imitate Jesus who's imitating the Father... Uh, the result is joy. God promises that if you will stay connected to him and imitate what he's doing 
and you put into practice those commands, you will experience joy like you haven't experienced it before. So if you're struggling right now and you're wondering why I'm not getting joy out of watching the same things on Netflix or um, the same job I'm having, um, maybe there's something that uh, you need to go back to here in God's Word and find out more. He says there in verse 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The Bible says that uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength and that if you'll allow His joy to be in you and then you imitate Him and live out His commands, you'll experience joy at a deeper level. There's a, Dr. Shore has been called the Einstein of psychiatry. He's not a believer, but he stumbled upon the truth that our brains are hardwired for joy. We all seek it out. Now, oftentimes we seek it out in other, the wrong places and we experience a temporary high but we don't get that long-lasting joy that our brains are hardwired for. And he began to emphasize the, the importance of joy for healthy brain development, and he's written a lot about it. But he explained um, that joy is always in relational ways. He said that joy is when someone is glad to be with me, and that uh, joy is like being the sparkle in somebody's eye. And you can tell that, right? Can, you can feel that when you walk up to someone because when they're glad to see you, they smile real big and they look right in the eye and they shake your hand or they give you a hug that people are glad to be with you. And that's the type of joy that we're looking at here in this passage. And some of the, the images that we get in this passage reminds me of looking back at um, the, the book of Numbers, which we'll get here in a second, but there's these authors, Jim... Uh, Jim Wilder was a pastor who ran into this doctor, and they started um, asking lots of questions. And uh, it, the book is called The Other Half of Church. And in the book, they're saying that oftentimes in church, the primary things that we're involved in are intellectual things, right? We go to a Sunday school class, or we hear a sermon, or we might even go to a Bible study. But what's lacking is some of those relational connections, our group identity, and uh, staying connected with people in, in a way that brings about joy. And uh, so they said here, as they learn more about this, that joy is primarily transmitted through the face, especially the eyes and the tone of your voice. My kids say that my tone kind of communicates a lot of things to them sometimes. When my tone changes, they, they feel what I'm saying. But... Uh, yeah, and joy is relational. That true joy does not exist outside of relationships. And that joy is very important to God and to us. And we tend not to emphasize joy as much because we know that joy is often a result of things, not something that we pursue, right? If we pursue God and we pursue uh, His commands, then we'll experience joy. It's not something you can just pursue. The pursuit of happiness might be in our founding documents um, as a right for everyone, but it's... Um, is something that is a result of you staying connected to God. As we see in this passage, Jesus promises the joy of living in our identity as adopted sons and daughters of the King. He's trying to contrast the individual's focus of uh, the global north on information and doctrine and trying to focus, refocus us on communal focus of life on mission that the global south seems to have a corner on the market on right now. And when Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, he wants us to stay connected to him and to experience that joy and that shalom that he's talking about. 
So why, why should we imitate the Father? Because it revo- results in joy and it results in love. And uh, I want to go to that passage now in, in Numbers chapter 6. This is a blessing that the priest would bless the people every morning after the sacrifices. And I don't know if you, you watched the first episode of The Chosen, and it happens in others, is that at the very beginning of Sabbath, they also start with a blessing. And this idea in the Old Testament that we often overlook is parents should bless their kids, right? And that we should bless one another and, and repeat this blessing. But this was a blessing that the priest traditionally would say before, um, after the sacrifices. And so here in verses uh, 24, 25, and 26, it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And uh, this idea about God turning his face towards you and being glad to be with you is this repeated blessing in the Old Testament. And sometimes when we try to get the translations right, we lose some of the the intricacies of the Hebrew language here. And you look, you'll notice here that the Lord lift up his countenance towards you. That's kind of an odd phrase, isn't it? Because often we think about God being high and exalted in heaven, which he is, and that he's looking down on us. But here it says, the Lord lift up his countenance towards you. And so what's the imagery here? It's more like a father who picks up his son and lifts up his son because he's happy to see him and he's smiling at his son, as you see here in the picture. That uh, the father is so glad that you've decided to turn towards him that he's lifting you up and he's looking at you with a smile on his face because he's glad that you've turned from darkness to light, that you want to stay connected to him. And that's the same kind of joy that Jesus is referring to here in verse 11. And you'll notice that both in the blessing and in this passage, the focal point is not the blessings that we get the results of joy or being connected. The focal point is the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And that we should be seeking the blesser, not his blessings. That um, the focal point is Yahweh, the Lord of the universe, not um, the blessings that he promises us. But religion is just the opposite. Religion is promising you all the time the blessings of doing the right things. And yet we end up empty on the other side because we feel like we have to earn more of God's love or his forgiveness. So if we look back at John chapter 15, verse 11, it says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. A fuller understanding of this, if we look at the entirety of the passage in Numbers, is that my father's face lights up when he sees me because I'm so special to him, Jesus speaking. I'm telling you this so that you will feel how special you are to my Father and to me and that our faces are shining with delight when we look at you. And that's the type of joy that God wants us to experience. And we need to grow in this joy and remain in his presence more often, don't we? Because so often we see the troubles in our life and we see our own shortcomings and we begin to focus on those things and we take our eyes off of the, the ruler of the universe And I'd like you to just do that just for a moment. We're going to take a moment of silence. And what I'd like you to do is to think of a memory. You know, some of us might have a practice of writing down things that we're thankful for. But right now, I'd like you to think of a memory over the last six months or a year. And think of that thing that you're thankful for. 
And uh, I'd like you to think about how it made you feel about God's presence being with you. So just take a moment about thinking about that memory, about something that you're thankful for and where you really clearly sensed the Lord's presence in that moment with you. And just take a moment to think about that memory. Father, we're so thankful that uh, you love the whole world, that you desire that nobody would perish. And we're thankful for at the beginning of this gospel, Lord, you told us that, um, that if we will receive you and believe in your name, that you've given us the right to be called children of God. And that God, uh, in John 3.16, you tell us that you love the whole world. And uh, so, Lord, we just pray right now that we would be able to pause more often and just sit in your presence and be thankful for the things that you give us, even though we don't deserve it, and especially life everlasting that you want us to experience in growing measure right now here on earth and then for eternity with you. And so we pray, Lord, today that you would continue to speak to us as we bask in the joy of you lifting up your countenance towards us and smiling because you're so thankful to be in our presence. And Lord, um, we pray, pray that we'd just be able to experience just a small measure of the joy that you feel about children who've been adopted in your family. So Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. So I'm uh, continuing on here in the sermon, but um, this was the longest point. I think it's uh, the, the one that's been most exciting for me to learn more about lately, and I hope that it's encouraging you as, as well. So the first point is that kids connect by imitating their fathers, and we need to spend more time thinking about our identity. The second point, if we look here in verse 14, Jesus, it says that Jesus' friends follow in the family business. You'll notice that Jesus, for the first time, is talking to his disciples, and he calls them friends. In verse 14, he says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. And then he goes on in verses 12 and 13 and talks about how following requires self-sacrifice. Um, and so you look at uh, verse 12 and 13, if we back up there, he says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And this is something that's often uh, listed at uh, military funerals or, or uh, when we're honoring people who serve in our military. But it comes back to this passage where Jesus is right about to sacrifice himself on the cross so that we can experience that, that uh, blessing of being adopted sons and daughters of the king. And he, he says to them that uh, this is my command that you love one another. And so he's letting them in on the secrets of the kingdom and he's saying to them, I'm not going to call you servants anymore, I'm going to call you my friends. Why? Because I'm letting you in on the plan. And the plan is that the world is going to be turned upside down by people who know God and experience Him as a father and then follow Jesus' example in the plan to see the whole world experience God's love. And uh, just like in John 13, 35, right? It says that the, the whole world will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. The way that this church right here is able to love one another and love each other in their families and their friendships 
is going to be a testimony to the people around you that have never experienced God's love. And so how can we tell them that God loves them if they can't feel it? How can they, we tell them that God loves them if they don't experience it? And Pastor kind of alluded this in prayers, right? That if we go on Facebook and we start shaming people that are never, have never known about Jesus and never experienced his love, how can we expect that they're going to be drawn to his love when we just shame them or blame them or, or uh, judge them? That the, the best way to see people come to know him is when they um, experience his love and see it as an example. And this was something that we experienced over and over again in, um, in Moscow when we lived there. That It was very odd to us oftentimes that um, when we saw people turn to faith, like this guy named Anton that started following Jesus, what he said was the thing that caused me to start being curious about Jesus is the way that you were treating your kids. I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't understand that. But uh, I think the, the love that we had for our own children and when we talked about how we follow Jesus and how he's changed our life, it drew Anton in. And he gave his life to Christ. Um, and that's the idea here that Jesus is talking about. And that's what's ex- happening uh, worldwide right now with new generations is this idea that every disciple is called to reach the lost, start discovery groups, and help coach those groups into follower, authentic followers of Jesus who will turn around and do the same thing. And so the, the reason we're seeing astounding numbers is not because we have better training or better seminary, but because we've seen more disciples activated in their true identity as a friend of Jesus who's supposed to go out and pursue the lost. That if we'll grow in that love of the Father and pursue the lost together, uh, we'll see that happen. And so Jesus is calling us to do that as a friend of Christ um, to reach the lost. And the final point today is in verse 16. They were all appointed ambassadors, and the call of every appointed ambassador of Christ is to go and bear fruit. Look at verse 16 with me. We'll close with these verses here. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. You know what? Ambassadors risk going and don't stay comfortable. You know, it's a high honor for a president to appoint someone as an ambassador to a foreign country, and they often take it with joy. But it's also, you know, when you're ambassador to the Sudan or Saudi Arabia or Russia, uh, it's not all that, always that comfortable. Now, granted, ambassadors of the United States, you know, they make a lot of money, and it's a cushy job, but there's also a risk involved. And it's a similar idea that Jesus is saying here, I chose you to follow me, to stay connected with the Father as a as a son or a daughter of the king, and then to imitate me and follow me as a friend, to understand the plan is to reach the lost, and now you're an ambassador to carry the good news, the message of the Father, and I want you to go and bear fruit. You know the, the, Costco, or, sorry, the Coast Guard's unofficial motto? Do you know what that is? The Coast Guard's unofficial motto is you have to go out, but you don't have to come back. And the Coast Guard, you know, serves to uh, defend our borders and to rescue people. Uh, And they often go out and risk their lives to rescue people who are drowning. And the unofficial motto is you have to go out if you're serving in the Coast Guard, but you don't have to come back to do your job. And um, this is uh, the call of God on our life, to go and bear fruit. It's not always comfortable to go to your neighbor across the hall or to comfort somebody at work who's going through a difficult time. 
but it, it, it is a risk, especially after COVID when we're disconnected. But God's calling us to take that step of faith to go out and uh, bear fruit. And you'll notice that in this chapter, the fruit's described in three different ways. In verses 2, he's talking about the quality of your fruit and that God has called us to walk in step with him and obey his commands so that our character is transformed. And he, it says there that he wants you to be more fruitful. And then in verses 5 and 8, it talks about how he wants you to bear much fruit. And that idea there is making more disciples, that there be more disciples. Um, and then in verse 16, as we just read, that he wants your fruit to last. In California, in Napa Valley, there's this uh, vineyard called the Corley uh, Family Vineyard in Monticello. My brother went there and took some pictures. Um, and this is out of the chapter right here, chapter 15, right? That I am the vine, you are the branches, remain in me and you'll bear much fruit. And uh, you'll see the, unfortunately, I was born in a uh, global north kind of setting where, um, you know, we do a lot of things now with genetically modified food. Uh, many of you don't like to eat uh, grapes with seeds in, in, in anymore, I, I guess, because that's what they sell us. If more of us like to eat grapes with Seeds, they'd probably still be there. But they sell us the seedless grapes. And it's a, it's a genetic defect, right, that they change it so that it'd be more comfortable for us. But God's design is for all of us to be grapes that have seeds in them. And that all of us as disciples would make disciples. And that we would go to the lost and fulfill the plan that Jesus has for all of us to make disciples of all nations. And so... Um, the hope is that we would keep the main thing, the remain thing, that we would remain in the king's uh, love, the father's love, as sons and daughters of the king, and that as friends of Jesus, we would remain intentional about the kingdom plan to reach the lost, and that as ambassadors, we would remain ready to risk everything to go and bear fruit. So why don't you stand with me as we close in prayer? Father God, we're so thankful for your word. How, Lord, every time we look at it, we can be encouraged by how you look at us, that you look at us with compassion, and that, Lord, your desire is for everybody to turn from darkness to light, to be adopted as children of the King. And, Lord, in this passage today, we're encouraged that your desire is that we would experience your joy and that you've turned your face towards us, Lord. And, Lord, we want to be friends of Jesus who know the, the game plan that we can overcome evil in our life by overcoming evil with good, that we can overcome the hatred in the world with love, and that we can see lost turn to you when we risk getting out of our comfort zone to going to them as ambassadors. And so we thank you that you've chosen us. Lord, I'm so encouraged to see how uh, you've united this church together, that there's a new chapter um, in the life of the church and how the church is growing and uh, they have a vision, Lord. And I pray that you'd bless that vision and that you'd have everyone to use their gifts and abilities to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples who go and bear fruit. We're thankful, Lord, for everything that you've done for us in the name of Jesus. Amen.